Amen. Get your Bibles today. I'd like to direct your attention to a very familiar story. And we're going to walk through this story today with some things God has laid upon my heart. And that is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, the story of David and Goliath. The Bible says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shokoth, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shokoth and Azekah in Ephes Demon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle array in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath whose weight was six cubits and a span and he had a helmet of brass upon his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass and he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders and the, the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said to them, Why are you come now to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines... They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Dismayed and greatly afraid. I want to talk to you this morning on the principle of preparation. Say that with me. The principle of preparation. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We need your help, O oh Lord, in this hour. I pray, God, for you to use me in such a way that will touch someone. Lord, I can preach the word, but it takes you, oh God, to bring conviction. Lord, we can declare, Lord Jesus, what you lay upon our heart, but it takes your spirit, oh God, to touch the hearts of men and women in this place. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, let there be an anointing flow through this time, oh God, of your word. Lord, to you be the glory and to you be the honor in this place, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Everyone loves, I say everyone, I would say most sane people, most normal people, loves a good underdog story. Most people like rooting for the less than group or the less than person or the one that's the long shot, the one that is the dark horse in the race. An underdog refers to anyone who is perceived as being disadvantaged or perceived as being weaker than their opponent. Underdogs are seen as having a history of failures and challenges. 
For you see, the odds are against underdogs. Failure and defeat is seemingly rubber stamping their life. For they are the unfortunate folk. The less than folk. The folk that just don't quite measure up to their opponent. Most people love a, a good story where someone wins when they should not have won. From Rudy to Rocky, some of the most beloved characters in film, fiction, and tales of inspiration have moved people because of their underlying theme of rags to riches, of defeat to victory. The hope is in us that if Cinderella could go up, we can go up. If Oliver and his twist could go up and achieve success, so can we. If the tortoise beat the hare, then surely we might be able to win as well. We like rooting for the underdog so much that we have even given it a cartoon character. Maybe we got it from the cartoon character. A little canine that nobody expects to do anything, but he is underdog. Quick example of those who are stories of triumph or underdogs that have won was Buster Douglas who met Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson was on such a straight winning streak that he was by odds makers 42 to 1 favorite to win. But Buster Douglas, a nobody, a name that wouldn't be known even today if it wasn't for the fact that he beat Mike Tyson. How about Donald Trump? They said he couldn't win, but he did. Now, you can like that or not, but that's just a story I have on my notes, and so I'm going to read it. How about the miracle on ice in 1980? Well, the 1980 champion uh, Olympic men's U.S. hockey team had been performing relatively well during their matches. No one could have expected that the fact that they would defeat the four-time defending gold medalist Soviet team. Yet they did. Yet they did. And when it became clear that the underdog USA team would hold their position and win, Al Michaels, the ABC announcer, cried out what has now become one of the most famous lines of broadcast when he said, Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. As the USA amateurs beat the Soviet professional team. We can look at the, 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 the stories of underdogs and they even call them David and Goliath moments. It is big versus little. It's warrior versus shepherd. It is a grisly champion against a pimple-faced teenager. It is an indignant idolater against a passionate worshiper of Jehovah. It is the quintessential good versus evil, right versus wrong, hero versus villain. Now the battle was set in array as the Bible says. It was the great standoff in the valley of Elah. Elah is a strategic valley because it was the gateway. If you wanted to go from, uh, uh, from the east to the west to into Jerusalem in the mountain area of Jerusalem, you would want to pass through the valley of Elah. Elah was a strategic valley because that's where the enemy could start its attack on the city of God. The 
Philistines were advancing to take the valley and Saul decided to meet them there to defend that strategic stronghold. Now it's a standoff. And so every day, Goliath begins to rise. Goliath begins to talk and, and tell them and defy the, the armies of Israel. The giant comes, uh, amen, to uh, the word Goliath actually means to strip bare, to disgrace, to make you feel as if you're ashamed. The giant comes to strip the saint of your dignity, of your destiny. Amen. Goliath is the one who beats you and leaves you in shame and disgrace. His name is intimidating. His size is intimidating. His pedigree and his championship record is intimidating. Amen. We find that he was 18, uh, somewhere around 9 foot 9 to 10 foot tall, whose height was 6 cubits and a span. His armor was massive, a helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with the coat of mail. The coat of mail covered from his shoulders to the knees and weighed somewhere around 200 pounds. You had to be a big man to carry 200 pounds worth of armor on you. His, his weapon, the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed at 600 shekels of iron. Amen. We would find that the spearhead would weigh 20 pounds. How'd you like to throw that javelin, gentlemen? His size, his armor, his voice, his weapons, his reputation. Amen. Persistently telling, I've got you whipped. I'm bigger than you. I'm better than you. I'm greater than you. And he stood and cried at the armies of Israel and said to them, why, don't you, why do not you set your battle at array? Am I not a Philistine and you servants to Saul? Choose you a man and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I kill him, you are going to serve me. You see, all of Israel had taken on the underdog mentality. Israel, by his, his, his voice and by his presence and by his appearance, had become dismayed and greatly afraid. You see, there is a giant mentality that wants to make you feel like you are nothing but a grasshopper, nothing but an underdog nothing but less than you can't make it you can't overcome and so he wants to make you feel dismayed and greatly afraid the word dismayed is where we get the words panic and confusion, discouragement and dread. Amen. It literally means to be shattered or divided into pieces, to be confounded by all of this dismayed, panic, dread, confusion, discouragement. Is that what we're living with today? Is that what you're dealing with today? Amen. Greatly afraid. This means that fear will come, but it always uh, may leave Fear can come and go, but when you're greatly afraid, fear likes to stay. It's a bad sign, y'all, when valiant men and hardened warriors and battle-tested soldiers are breaking down with fear and being dismayed. Enter a little red-headed, pimple-faced teenager. 
He's too young to fight and be in the army. So he's somewhere uh, at least under 20 years old. And he's sent by his father with some cheese and bread for his brother. David wasn't coming to make a scene. David was on an assignment. He had no intention of joining the battle. He had no intention of making a, 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 a stand. He had no intention. He was going to be the pizza delivery guy. That's all. How many times have we been living in our life and we didn't show up that day because we were expecting a fight? We didn't show up in that hour because we were expecting that there was going to be a battle that faces us? And so when David comes, he, he rose up early in the morning, verse 20, in the morning, and he left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him and came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for battle. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of Philistine and spake the same words and David heard them. David had never seen a battle before like this. David had never been in a position like this. David had never seen a giant like that. David had never he, 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 he was admiring his weapon. Man that's bright and shiny. Look how powerful he is. Look at those biceps. Look at those bulging muscles. Amen. He's got shoulders that are broad and he, he's 10 feet tall and this is crazy. Look at listen to his voice boom across the valley intimidation was there and this is what David said this is, this is interesting to me I, I like finding humor in Bible how about you look at, look at verse 25 and the men of Israel said have you seen this man have you seen this man have you just seen look at that that's huge. Anybody, I, I, anybody ever met somebody that was bigger than you've ever expected them to be? I met George Foreman when I was working in a, in a music store in, in Marshall, Texas. And George Foreman, the boxer. And he walks in in overalls. He, he lived there. He, uh, that's where his original home was. And, and he come in. And when Mr. George Foreman walked up and shook my hand, my hand turned black. I could not see a speck of white. His hands were so big, they engulfed me. And he was a big man, big hands, stood big, broad shoulders. Oh, what a nice guy, though. Very gentle, very kind, very nice. And, 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 and it blew my mind how big he was and how powerful. Have you seen this man? Have you... Have you seen my giant? Have you seen my problem? Have you seen my issue? Have you seen my sickness? Have you seen my bank account? Have you seen my past? Have you seen... Man, if they, that, that ought to make you feel intimidated. Do you know what I'm going through? Do you know what I went through? Do you know what I'm facing? Do you know my pressures? Have you seen this man? Have you seen in him? He's tall. He's big. Amen. He's an impressive, impressive, imposing force. But look how David responded in verse 26. And, and I apologize to our scripture folks today. I'm going to be jumping around. Hang with me. You'll learn that new program real well today. In verse 26, and David spake to the men that stood by him saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? They were saying, Have you seen that man? And David was saying, What does the guy get? That takes him down. 
What does the guy get that takes them down? Amen. Have you seen that man? And then David says in verse 26, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the living God? David didn't see size. He looked and he saw God. David didn't see giant. He saw victory. David didn't see problem. He saw victory. Victory. Somebody say amen. amen. Who is this chump? I believe it's time, and I'm going to get ahead of myself because I know where I'm going. But it's time for us to say, who is this spirit that I'm battling? Who is this devil that I'm battling? Who is this depression that I'm battling? Who is this fear that I'm battling? Who is this spirit of offense that I'm battling? Who is this spirit that comes against my mind? Who is this spirit that says I'm going to be defeated? Who is this spirit that says you can't make it? Who is this spirit that comes into our hearts and our life to destroy our walk with God and our relationship with the church? Who is this? Amen. You may see him as a giant, but I pray to God that there would be a spirit of David that rises up within us and says, I don't see a giant. I see a victory. I don't see a problem. I see a victory. And just like good church folk, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard what David had said, and he got angry at little Dave, Davy boy, little Davy, little Davy, little soldier boy, stinking like sheep. And he said to him in verse 28, I'm going to paraphrase now. You can throw the scripture up if you like. Why have you come down here? What, what you just come to hinder your pride is elevated where's those few sheep that you were watching where's those few sheep that you were taking care of i know your pride and the naughtiness of thy heart that thou art come down that you may see the battle you just come here to gawk you just come here to just take everything in i want to tell you there are going to be times in your life when people who claim to be family will try to dissuade you and try to tell you that you cannot but listen to what david David said in verse 29, what have I done? All I did is talk about my God. All I did is talk about what's going to happen to the dude that takes his head off. That's all it is. There not a cause. So ultimately, David is sent to Saul. And Saul begins to talk to him. And he says, who are you? Oh, praise God. All right, Zach, I need you, buddy. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Praise be the Lord. Let's see. Brother Daniel, I need you over here right quick. Glory. These are my David and Goliath. Now, you got to stand over here, social distancing and all that. You know, you got to get over here right there. All right, Andrew. Go stand beside each other. Just stand shoulder to shoulder. Turn around and look at everybody. Okay, now, 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 stand over here. Y'all gonna help me preach now, okay? And so, David goes to Saul. You come over here, I'm Saul. 
And you, you say, you know what? I believe I can whip him. If there's one boy that could represent what I'm talking about today, it's this boy. He believes he can whip anything, <laughs> anytime, anywhere. It don't matter. Am I telling the truth? Yes, I'm telling. And so he says to King Saul, he said, I believe I can take him. I believe I can take him. I believe I can handle him. I believe I can bring him up. I got this. And, and, and so Saul says, well, who do you think you are? And what have you done? And he said, one day I was out washing the sheep and there was a, a lion that showed up. And I went and the Bible said he grabbed him by his beard. Can you imagine that? And took a spear and jabbed it right up under his throat. Can you imagine a teenager? Nobody's watching him. He's got no audience other than I'm protecting my sheep. And he goes and grabs the lion by his mane and then drives a spear up through his underneath. Mm. And I see David, you know, he goes over there and he says, I'm going to use that and whacks his head off and goes and takes it to his house and hangs it on his wall. Come on, somebody. Then the bear comes and the bear attacks it and he grabs his sling and he goes, come on, do this. Can you do it? Can you do it? You going to help me preach or what? Come on. And he lets that go and he kills the bear and he walks over to that bear, pulls out his sword, his knife, whatever, cuts the head off and takes it and hangs it in his house, in his room. Amen. So he could walk by and say, I did that. I overcome that. I beat that. Nobody was applauding. Nobody was looking. Nobody saw me. Amen. What is he saying? He said, before I came here, I'd already seen slung my stone before I'd already won the battle before amen I want y'all to go sit down because I'll need you in a minute I want to talk to you today about the principle of preparation amen you see there are a lot of us that want these Goliath moments we want these moments that we we just step up on the stage of life and we handle the big things and we handle the big issues but what David did is that he had slung the stone and he had killed a lion and killed a bear when nobody was watching amen what did he do I tell you while the others were shooting hoops while his friends were playing baseball David was slinging a stone hour after hour after hour after hour practicing hitting the target again and again until his arm began to hurt all day he's practicing he may be waiting there bored it wasn't just boredom it was preparation God was getting ready to use him God was getting ready to use him you see there is a principle called preparation that God God wants to take us to a moment where, oh, I want the big victory. I want to take care of Goliath. Amen. But God is wondering, can you take care of practice? Can you take care of practice? Can you take care of the times when you go to church and you worship God and feel nothing? Can you take care of the times when you pray and you get no answer? Can you take care of the times when you read your Bible and you feel no Holy Ghost? But you read anyway. You pray anyway. You seek God anyway. What are you doing? I'm just practicing. Because one day I'm going to meet a bear. One day I'm going to meet a lion. 
And one day I might just meet a Goliath. David came to Saul and Saul said, here's what you do. You put my armor on. You put my helmet on. You put my coat of mail on. You need to fight like I tell you to fight. But David said, I can't do it. I have not proved them. I have not proved them. Amen. Let me tell somebody that your progress is directly connected to your preparation. I'm preaching today because there are some that realize that preparation and practice is not pretty. Just go ask Allen Iverson. All you basketball gurus know what I'm talking about. Allen Iverson is notorious for a statement that he made in a press conference. He said, practice? We're talking about practice. I want to play a game. You see, he got upset because his coach was making him practice. Amen. There's a lot of people that they want to be in the game scenario, but God is saying, if I can't trust you in practice, I can't put you in front of a Goliath. If I can't trust you with a little bear, I can't trust you with a big Goliath. If I can't trust you with practicing every day, going through the motions every day, we Pentecostals, we like the hoop and the holler and the big story, and that's wonderful and great. But I want to tell you the big story the miracle comes in moments when nobody's watching. The miracle happens when nobody is watching. That NASCAR driver drives around the track endlessly, seems like. Amen. You want to go to sleep? Watch a good NASCAR race. Vroom, vroom, vroom. But he never wins the race on the track. It's one in the garage. It is one with the preparation of the car. It had to be tuned right. Everything had to be right to spec. Everything had to be right according to what needed to win the race. You don't win the race by simply just showing up. You win the race by laying aside every sin and every weight that so easily besets you. And you begin to say, I'm just getting ready for when my Goliath shows up. The battle is won or lost, not in the moment that you face your Goliath. It's won or lost in the hours of preparation. The hours of preparation. Amen. Preparation and practice isn't pretty. It's often monotonous. But the battle is won in the preparation. Amen. It's not what happens in the valley of Elah that matters. It is what is happening on the backside of the wilderness when David's watching his sheep, practicing with his sling and his stone, training. Amen. He didn't just walk up there with one, just one decided, I'm going to swing this and God's just going to send it. Lord, would you just send it? God, I believe, would never would have anointed him to win the victory if he hadn't put in the practice with the lion and the bear first. He prepared. He had a cause. But I want to tell you, I think we got the story backwards. This is not an underdog story. David was never an underdog. 
I want to tell you today in this world where everything is going on crazy around us, a child of God who has faith and a sling and a stone of victory, a child of God who has the word of God, who has a worshiping heart and a praising heart and the one that will follow them with all of their heart. Amen. That's the one that's going to win it. You win it on your knees before you win it on the job. You win it on your knees before you win it and going into Walmart. Do I wear a mask? Not wear a mask. Are they going to make fun of me? Amen. Are they not going to make fun of me? What's going on in this world today? It's a battle of wills. Amen. You win that in your spirit before you ever win it in the open. Somebody say, I'm not an underdog. First Samuel 17, 44, and the Philistine said to David, come to me and I'll give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, the beast of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who thou hast defied this day. Somebody say, this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand and I will smite thee. Devil, I got you today. You don't have me. I got you. I'm not an underdog. I'm not an underdog. I'm not less than. I'm not feeble and weak. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So we need to talk a little smack to the devil, not because we're being arrogant and foolish, but because we know what we're talking about. One of my favorite basketball players is Larry Bird. Larry Bird, on numerous occasions, told his opponent that was guarding them, said, I'm going to shoot a shot right here in the last of the game, and I'm going to win it by shooting right over you. You don't t- t- say that kind of stuff just walking on the court. But it's the hours of hours upon hours of shooting three-point shots from that very same spot, that very same place. Whew. Nobody watching all by himself. Hallelujah. I want to talk to somebody today. It's those hours in prayer when you're all by yourself. Nobody watching you. It's those hours of hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's the hours driving on your truck as you're riding around. It's the hours while you're working. It's the hours while you're doing whatever you're doing that puts you in the place that you can say, devil, right here, right here on my knees. I'm going to whip you today. Right here at this moment I win today several years ago uh, my dad we were traveling so before I was married and traveling with my mom and dad and often my dad would have a prayer line after he preached to pray for people and minister to people and I've seen them line up and walk and be there for hours as the Holy Ghost is moving and he's praying for people and miracles and signs and wonders. <sighs> Seen it firsthand. One day, a woman came up to him and with a male voice, a demon spoke to him out of this woman and said, you can't cast me out today. You didn't fast today. 
My dad said it took him a little bit. He stepped back and he began to think, no, but I fasted before I came. I didn't fast today, but I fasted yesterday or last week or last month. Amen. You see, the devil wants to intimidate you. That's nothing than the Goliath mentality. And my dad turned around and he said, I did not fast today. You told the truth. But what you didn't tell is that I fasted last week. I fasted last month. But in the name of Jesus, come out. Amen. And the woman was delivered by the power of God. You see... The devil wants you to think that you have got to be at a certain level and you've got to be at a certain place in that Goliath moment. But what he doesn't know is that you've been shooting hoops all day, praising God, hallelujah, time and time again. I missed a few, I made a few, but I've made enough and I understand he's helped me with the bear and he's helped me with the lion. He'll help me with this Goliath. Now the Bible says... That David went by, the, went by the brook and picked up five stones. I've heard this preached all kinds of ways, so I'm going to preach it my kind of way. Five, the number of grace. Five, the name of Jesus. Five, because he has four brothers. I just think he's like us. I want more than one gun and more than one bullet in my magazine. He was confident that he could do it with the help of the Lord. But he also knew, I better go prepared. Because if I miss and I have no more stones, I have nothing else to, if I miss, I'm going to make sure that I'm ready for round two and round three. But I'm going to get him by five. I don't need any more than five. I'm going to get him by five. I'm not worried about that. I want to tell you, you and I need to walk into this hour and say, I'm carrying with me some stones of preparation. I'm carrying the word of God with me. Stone number one. I'm going to carry the word with me. I'm going to speak the word with me. Number two, I'm carrying the name of Jesus with me. It's a, it's a powerful name of victory. Devils tremble at the sound of that name. I'm going to carry my worship with me. Stone number three. I'm going to carry stone number three being my worship. I'm going to praise him in the morning. I'm going to praise him in the midday. I'm going to praise him in the I'm preaching to you today. Amen. It's time to quit just playing around waiting for your Goliath moment. Why don't you shoot now? Why don't you practice now? Why don't you pray now? Why not worship now? So I got the stone of the word, the stone of the name, the stone of worship, the stone of prayer, and the stone of grace, the favor of the Lord, the favor of the Lord. I've come to tell you, the giants you and I face today are not 10 foot, foot tall specimens that are clad in gear, but rather they are spirits that are big and intimidating. I want to talk to you about some giants today we need to put down. Amen. Anybody with me? Let's put some giants down. The first one is I want to put down the giant of fear. I want to put down, how can I tackle the giant of fear? Because I serve the God of faithfulness. Amen. I can attack the giant of fear because I serve the God that is faithful. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I don't care 
care how big and bad fear is. I serve a God that's faithful. I serve a God that is faithful. I want to tell you, you can put the giant down, if you will, because of the power of God's word. Another giant I want to slay today is the giant of poverty. The giant of poverty. The giant of poverty that caused me to want to hoard. The giant of poverty that caused me to want to say, I, I got to have all this if I'm going to live. No, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I don't have to walk in greed and hoarding because I serve the God that's going to provide. had a dear folks, and I use that word dear in the, in the colloquial term of Texas. Bless your dear heart. There's some dear folks back in 2000 that spent thousands upon thousands of dollars building storage places underground and put food because when Y2K hit, they were going to be ready. I'm not making this story up. It actually happened. I know the folk that it happened to. And you know what happened? A fire got in the storage place and burnt all of it up. We're prepared. But when it comes to God, you can have all the money in the world. You can have everything, but if you're not prepared for whatever happens, amen, God, if it all burns up, if everything falls apart, if everything that is around us begins to crumble, I know a God who provides. My God said he would provide. My God said he would provide. Amen. Can you trust him with the lion? Can you trust him with the bear? Then you can trust him with Goliath. Poverty. How about the giant of panic, the spirit of panic? Amen. Be careful for nothing, Philippians 4 and 6, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Don't be anxious for anything. Enough of the spirit of panic. In the name of the Lord, I declare I come to you as the God of all wisdom that I serve. In the name of the God of all wisdom that I serve. Giant panic, you've got to come down. In the name of Jesus. How about the giant of infirmity how about the giant of infirmity by his stripes i am healed he forgives all that iniquities he heals all that diseases oh giant come down in the name of jesus i don't think we ought to be ashamed or afraid god you can kill corona right now god you can stop the virus right now amen but god if you choose that somehow i'm not healed of it you're going to carry me through you're you're going to carry me through. You're going to bring me through. Giant of infirmity. Go in the name of Jesus. Go in the name of Jesus. How about the giant of confusion, perversion? Amen. I want to tell you, you go meet him. Amen. In the name of the one who is the light. In the light. Hallelujah. I pray to God as the scripture declares. In Luke 12 and 2, there is nothing covered and there that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. All these things done behind closed doors, in government, in business. 
business. God reveal it. It's not going to carry me down because I refuse to fall to the confusion. God, you reveal it. Because here's what I'm praying. Psalm 43 and 3. Oh, send out thy light and truth and let them lead me, Lord. I refuse to be led by the giant of confusion. How about the giant of chaos? How do we meet the giant of chaos? With the God of all peace. Hallelujah. For he is not the author of confusion or chaos, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. If anybody ought to be standing strong in this hour, it ought to be the Holy Ghost filled people of God. It ought to be those that have trusted him with the lions and the bears of their life and they could conquer 2020. What is 2020 to us? What is this year to us? But rather it is a place for God to show his power. How about the giant of isolation? A giant called isolation. This is a big problem today. I don't think that we know right now the effects that the isolation that has gone through our world will have until years down the road. And while we were concerned about the safety and health against one thing, another giant steps in Cause, uh, causes such stifling isolation. How do we approach the giant of isolation? How about this verse of scripture? 1 Corinthians 12 and 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members are of that one body, being many are one body. Hallelujah. So also is Christ, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. I need the body of Christ. I need to be reminded that I have to have you to thrive and survive. You see, it's about the togetherness of the body, joint supply and joint. I need you and you need me. I could talk to you today about that giant of division that we fight with the God who's one. The God who is one. That the, his people are to be of one mind and one accord. Amen. To have one mind and one accord. The giant of control that tries to manipulate. The giant of deception that tries to change our opinions. Stand with me, please. Praise God. All it took was one young man that says, if God can help me with the lion and the bear, he can help me with Goliath. How many of you have overcome some things in your life? Come on, get your hand up. You've overcome some things in your life. See, the fact of the matter is that we kill a giant and then it pops his head back up and we wonder what happens. I thought I killed him. It's because we're dealing with flesh. Flesh just brings it right back up again. Amen. I thought I had control of that. I thought I had, I, I thought I've, I thought I had my jealousy under control. I thought I had the giant of envy under control, giant of covetousness. And I thought I had the, the giant of pornography under control. And he comes back and, and he wants to make you feel like a failure. I'm going to tell you what, the grabbing by his beard and take that Holy Ghost sword of the Spirit.
thrust it right up under his neck, so to speak, in the spirit and kill it. Paul says, mortify the deeds of the body. Mortify the deeds of the body. Every time he sticks his head up, somebody say, kill it. Kill it. You got to be prepared, though, for your moment. You got to be ready for that moment where through persistence and practice and reputation. Why go to church on Sunday? Because I'm preparing for what God has for us. Why handle your life with faith and victory? Because I'm preparing for something that may be even bigger than what I face today. The writer says, if you can't run with the footman, how are you going to run with the horseman? You just stay at it. You stay faithful. You stay consistent. I want my moment, Lord. I want my moment to shine, Lord. Well, he said, if you'll pray in secret, your Father will reward you openly. <laughs> your victory over Goliath is not about that single moment, but rather it's about the hours of preparation beforehand. Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his family, the Bible says. That's 120 years thereabout for about a year in the ark. It took Moses 80 years of education before he had the moment of deliverance of the children of Israel. It took Joseph to go through a pit to be in a servant to being put in Potiphar's house and put into a prison and all these things were about his potential being prepared for the day that he'll stand before Pharaoh. What's God preparing you for? What's God preparing for? If you can't take a little bit of issue right now, don't expect God to promote you to face Goliath later. If I run from the bear now, if I run from a spiritual attack now, then how can I expect to stand and take care of a Goliath then? Somebody say, I'll deal with the little devils. I'll deal with the little devils. Those things that so easily beset me, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it. Praise God. So today, right now, I know we're going in a few minutes to the school, but I want somebody to make a commitment to preparation. Make a commitment to preparation. Make a commitment to worship when you feel it and when you don't feel it. Make a, a commitment to pray when you feel it and you don't feel it. Hallelujah. Make a commitment to deal with the lions and the bears because it's in your preparation that your promise will show up. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I come before you, God. I know that we're laden with potential. I know, Lord Jesus, we're laden, oh God, and have been blessed with great giftings. But God, what is it if we're not swinging the stone? Lord, what is it, oh God, if we're not doing it by preparation and practice? Lord Jesus, get, get me ready. Lord, get me ready. Lord, get me ready. Lord, get me ready. Lord, get me ready. Help me, Lord Jesus, today. Father, I give I give you praise, oh God. I give you praise, oh God. You want to rise to levels of ministry.
You want to rise to levels that you see yourself in dreams and visions. You want to rise to a place where God is using you mightily. Then why not start right where you are? Why don't you start right where you are and let God use you now with the lion and the bear? I'm preaching to somebody. I don't know the Holy Ghost can't. I, I, I just can't turn it off. Amen. Somebody is setting up themselves for greater victory. Amen. You may know your calling. You may be called to evangelize or you may be called to be a missionary or you may be called to be a pastor's wife or you may be called to do something great for God. But it doesn't matter if your Goliath moment shows up and you haven't swung and you haven't tried and you haven't handled the little things. Amen. Dream on, but practice, practice, practice. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice right now. Hallelujah. Don't get frustrated in your preparation. Don't get frustrated in your preparation. Don't get frustrated in the moments that you feel isolated. God has got you set up. God has got you set up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Won't somebody do some practicing right now? Somebody do some practicing right now. Hallelujah! 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm praising you now in the storm. I'm going to praise you now, God, in the storm. I'm going to praise you now, God. David said so what's going to be done to the guy that kills this, this giant what shall be done to the man that killed this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel what are you going to do with him well his family is going to be free in Israel what does that mean you'll owe no more taxes that means all your debts will be paid what would happen if some of us would get a David mentality that says, I've killed the bear, I've killed the lion, now I'm killing Goliath because God's about to liberate my family. 
And if you can't kill that giant of temptation, that giant of issue, that giant of, uh, of whatever it may be, jealous, envy, pride, whatever it may be, if you can't kill it now, your family will still be in taxation and under bondage. But when you begin to kill your giant, it will set generational curses aside. It will set your family free. You'll find debts will be taken We're talking about a smelly shepherd. We're talking about a young man that lived among the sheep and out in the wild daily. But another provision was, you're going to be in the king's palace. I'm going to move your residence. I'm going to move you to a new location. I'm going to change the way you look. I'm going to change the way you smell. I'm going to change the way you look at life and how you dream. Amen. I'm going to take you... Now here's here's what you got to know. Chapter 16, David was anointed king. So he had already been anointed king. I've studied and tried to get the best possible timeline that I could get. It was somewhere between 5 to 6 years between David's anointing as a young, young teenager to where 5, 6 years later he's walking to Goliath. Some folks would get upset because they weren't promoted quick enough. They didn't get their opportunity quick enough. Well, I preached all day to get to this point, so you need to hear me. They could not get to, you know, the, 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 the. but it was David's mind that says, I'm anointed, but I'm going to keep preparing until my time comes. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep protecting the sheep because one day he's going to be the warrior of Israel. What has to be done? If you've studied the story, I, I preach on, I preach on David many times. And every time I have, I'm missing him today. Brother Gene would come up to me and tell me a story. Says Teresa about it. You know how David hit that? It's cause that giant, when he reared up the laugh, his shield over his face rose up just enough for that stone to go over there and hit that head and knock him down. I hear him saying that. But David wasn't just satisfied with knocking him down. He went over and got that sword. And what did he do? Cut his head off. You know what he did with all of his sword? He got his head. But this time he didn't take his head. He took his sword. He took his armor. And he went and put it in his house. Read the story. He went and put it in. Where did he set it? Well, there's the bear. There's the lion. And there's the shield. Look at it. Standing by itself. Look at that sword right there. Look at it. Some of y'all need to go back to your trophies where you conquered cigarettes, where you conquered alcohol, where you conquered pornography, where you conquered worry, where you conquered fear, and take it back and say, look here, devil. I'm going to keep shooting. I'm going to keep praying. 
Now, 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 hold on just one second. Some of y'all that are watching online or right here in this building done thought pastors going crazy. But I've watched the homosexual set free by the power of God. I've seen the alcoholic set free by the power of God. I've watched those that have been delivered from worry and fear and things like eating disorders. I've watched those that have been abused as children, amen, abused as young boys and young girls, both sexually and mentally. And I've seen God set them solid on two feet, make them productive people of the house of God. Not one stitch of counseling, not one stitch of medicine. I'm not against that. I'm not against that. I'm just telling you, I've watched some giants fall and I've hung a few on my own wall. I've hung a few on my own wall. So today, so today, what giant is standing in your way? What giant is roaring in your mind? What giant is telling you you can't? What giant is telling you you'll never? Amen. What giant is telling you you're less than? What giant is saying you won't survive? I come to you in the name of the God of Israel, whose army you defy. Come on right now, lift your voice. Hallelujah. I defeat it in the name. I come against nicotine. In the name of Jesus, I come against the addictions. Oh God. 